Houstonians love to eat well, and lots of us are trying to eat more sustainably, in ways that don't wreck the environment. Today, we're going to tell you about Prestige Oysters, an oyster outfit that's not just sustainable, it's actually improving the Gulf Coast's water. And the oysters, y'all, are delicious. Farrell Gibbs, our producer, drove down to Dickinson to check out Prestige. It's off I-45 on the way to Galveston, right, Farrell? That is correct. Okay. What did you see? I saw oyster shells piled as high as a house. I saw weary fishermen. It was a one gas station town. Yeah, and then what? Well, I mean, it is the greatest oyster processing plant I've ever seen in my entire life. Have you ever seen an oyster processing <laughs> plant before in your entire life? <laughs> of course. That's where I came from. Okay. Forrest Gump, when Forrest Gump jumped off the boat to see Lieutenant Dan down in Bila Battery, that's, that's where I lived all my life. Lieutenant Dan, what are you doing here? Thought I'd try out my sea legs. But you ain't got no legs, Lieutenant Dan. I thought I knew a lot about oysters, but I didn't know as much as I thought I did until I met Raz Halili. It's Monday, December 13th, 2021. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. All right, so back up and tell me, what is the business? Okay, so his father, Johnny, came over from Albania in the late 70s to the projects of Chicago. He got a job at a car wash and worked a few other jobs, but he didn't really like it up there. So then he heard of an opportunity down on the Gulf that paid $25 a day working on an oyster boat. And so he came down and he did that and he learned all of the jobs associated with it. And before long, he found his wife-to-be, Lisa, and she joined him on the boat. (laughs) And then together they built this thriving business. If you would have came here about 35 years ago when I was born, this looked a lot different. This building where you're sitting now didn't exist. Uh, This marina in front of you was much smaller. There was a little bait camp and a little outdoor, indoor office that we had and an unloading ramp. And that was it. We've grown tremendously in those past 35 years. And today we're a fully integrated oyster company with the resource in the water, the harvesting vessels, the landing docks, and three strategically placed processing facilities uh, in the Gulf Coast. Today, during peak times, we employ upward of, you know, around 500 people. All right. So, Farrell, what does a fully integrated oyster processing plant do? They go get the oysters in their boats. They bring them back to the pier. They haul them into their processing plant. They put them through something called an HPP processor, which is high pressure processing, and that reduces all the various bacteria that tend to live in oysters. And then they are packed there, both in the shell and shucked, and then they're shipped out on their 100 plus boats. So that's the first business. The second business is a restaurant that he opened up called Pier 6. I don't know, it's about two miles from the processing plant. There's absolutely nothing around it. It's just really a fishing town. And then all of a sudden, there's this kind of grand restaurant right there on the water. So it's the kind of restaurant that's worth driving down from Houston? I mean, I'm no food critic, but when I ate the food there, I was really happy I had made the trip down, yes. So what did you have? I had every oyster that they had on the menu that includes both grilled and raw. They were delicious. And I also had their hamburger, which they worked on, I think, for a month getting the pickle and the beef right. They worked on that in the office of the processing plant while they waited for the (laughs) restaurant to be finished. And let me tell you something, it is a wonderful hamburger. All right, but I care about the oysters. What is so good about the oysters? (laughs) Well, do you remember late last week we had on Chef Blue Dorn? Uh Uh-huh. Well, this is what he had to say about Prestige oysters. So Prestige oysters are 
to me, the best oyster that we get down here in Houston. They're, they're really focusing on, on keeping the oyster a, a, a uniform size and not letting them get too out of control and turning into those gulf gulpers, if you know what I mean. <laughs> all right. This all sounds great, but where does the environmental part come in? I asked him about that. You know, we recycle 100% of our shell that we process. All the seashell piles outside, and there's also a shell recycling tax that we pay to the state of Texas. So for all the oysters that we harvest, we pay a tax. That comes in either a dollar form or a shell or rock substrate that we have to place back out into the waters. Uh, we choose to place the shell and the rock back onto the waters because we feel it gets back to the estuary quicker. On top of the oyster shell recycling, we also uh, plant rock, river rock, limestone, and this acts as a natural substrate for oysters when the spawning periods occur to attach to and provide life for, for new generations of oysters. Why is that important? Why can't they just harvest oysters and let the ocean take care of itself? That's a great question. He actually talked about that. To speak more about sustainable fisheries, you know, a lot of people would say, well, you know, just leave it alone and it'll, it'll be fine. It'll, you know, it'll come back. This fishery, you don't need to fish that reef. Uh, you know, if you're fishing that reef, you're just hurting it. That's a completely falsehood. It's, it's a lot like farming a crop. If you leave a crop unattended, if you leave a farm unattended, you're not going to have any vegetables. You have to work a crop. And it's the same thing here with oysters. If you don't work an oyster reef in a practical, sustainable way, the oyster reef is just going to wither and die. Oysters, they don't have fins. They can't move. They pile up on top of each other. The ones at the bottom starve for food. The ones at the top get all the food. New generations come. You know, a reef needs to be worked so they don't pile up as dunes, but they get spread evenly and that reef gets wider. And when you do that, oysters are a keystone species. So I asked, what are the positive effects of this restoration? And this is what he said. What are you going to get with more oysters? You're going to get more shrimp, more crab, more fish and a cleaner water system and also protection from coastal erosion. Have they done much of that? He told me they started really adding to the substrate around 20 years ago. And what is a substrate? It is layers on the ocean floor. Layers of what? Layers of stuff? Layers of rock and shell, I suppose. So that's like the stuff the oysters grow on? Yes, among other types of marine life. And how much of it have they put down? In the last four years alone, they have placed 20,000 tons of rock into the Gulf. So far, he says they have spent around $15 million improving the oyster habitat in the Gulf of Mexico. And that's not all they do. Okay, so tell me more about that restaurant. It's Pier 6? Yes, what he did was he recruited a chef from Houston. That was Joe Cervantes, right? Yes, that's right. He's been the executive chef at places like Brennan's and Killen's Steakhouse. So fancy places. <laughs> Seems that way. And so he brought him down to this brown, we call it brown food back in Alabama. <laughs> you know, all of it fried until it's completely brown. It was like a beer and a fish basket type of place. It was out of business. And so he brought this chef. And this place is probably two miles from Prestige Oyster. And he said, I want to make a great seafood place here called Pier 6. And I actually interviewed the chef and I said, could you see it like he saw it when he brought you down here? And all it was was an old greasy seafood joint that had gone out of business. And he said, well, I had to trust the guy. I had to trust his vision. <laughs> well, at first I was just like going to come out here and meet a friend, right? Because I knew Prestige Oysters and uh, I've known of the company uh, with me being a chef and using his products already. And then when I met him, you know, if anything, I can just do some small consulting for him on the side. Because you're right, when the looks of it before it was this, it was a shrimp restaurant, but it almost looked like a Mexican restaurant. It was all different colors. It was pink and, you know, bright colors everywhere. And so I was like, ah, I don't know where I'm at. But you know, Raz kept making his case. And finally, after Cervantes saw the architect's drawings and plans, he understood the vision and signed on. So is it working for them? 
Is Roz happy? They seem to have a lot of fun doing it. He is living the life that I think every one of us would probably want to be living right now. Running the family business, being a CEO. What is it? Is the life. I heard a story that sometimes during lunch, the chef and he and all the workers will drop what they're doing and go take a wave runner out to the jetty. (laughs) I mean, they're having a good time. (laughs) That does make running an oyster company sound fun. It does. And then from there, I just put my recorder on the table and we had a great lunch and he just started telling me all about the secrets of the seafood business. 90% of our seafood or 96 or 98% of our seafood is all imported that we eat. Some of it frozen two, three times over with added preservatives and chemicals. So he said we import like 98% of our seafood. And so I go, 98%? You can hear me say. 98%? And then he says what is nowadays the absolute argument ender. He looks across the table at me and he goes, Google it. Google it. And then he goes on telling me things I did not know. We're the second largest seafood market in the world next to China. And there's definitely not near enough fish and shrimp and oysters and seafood in North America to sustain the amount that North America consumes. So we do have to import a lot. All your salmon is Chilean. There's some farm stuff out of Norway, but it's the same farm stuff as that of Chile. They're deep in net ocean raised, so it's not bad, but I would rather look you know, if you go to certain like a Whole Foods or Central Market, maybe even H-E-B might have it. Some wild sockeye salmon from Alaska, some Alaskan salmon or king salmon from, I think, uh, Australia, New Zealand. Uh, but you just got to be diligent. So he goes on to say that we don't really think about it too much when we're at the supermarket. But a lot of the seafood that we eat is shipped to China and then back to the U.S. And sometimes it's thawed and refrozen three or four times over. Yeah. And so he says that there are methods and chemicals that are used to make that happen. And his direct quote was this. There's a lot of things in the seafood business that you do not want to know about. But he said when it comes to seafood, don't get sticker shock. Ask where the seafood came from. Is it wild caught? He says that's the way that he would do it if he were ordering seafood. So that's like... What he's trying to fight with prestige, right? It's it's the bad actors in the seafood industry. That's correct. I mean, he really seems to care about the oysters, about the area that they are fishing. He, he seems very passionate about what he eats. And what all of us are eating. It seems that way. All right. Farrell, what else is going on in the news around Houston? This from J.R. Jordan at cron.com. There were two back-to-back days of record heat in December this year. Uh, That was just last Thursday and Friday, and today's only the 13th. Oh. So 87 degrees on Thursday, 84 degrees on Friday. Both of them broke records set in 1933 and 1939. It did get cool, finally. I know here in College Station, we had some ice on our windshield this morning, but the 80s are coming back on Tuesday. It looks like it's going to be a very warm December. So much for a white Christmas. Well, don't shoot the messenger. All right. Well, that's it for CityCast Houston today. If y'all like what you heard, please give us loads of stars wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you tomorrow. We get paid to do this. Is this not like the greatest scam in the world? Don't tell anybody.